So, I honestly didn't think it would be that close. I thought it would be, uh, you know, the whole tripolar thing was already yeah. setting in place. Yeah. But like, God. I think a week before, I thought it was going to be that close. Oh, really? And then the final few days, as I saw Le Pen was also sort of rising as well, somewhat parallel to Mélenchon. Yeah. Um, fucking excruciating. Then, so that's when I thought, okay, no, so she's clearly going to plot ahead. But then, I mean, the night of... Yeah, I know there was. I mean, it was also sort of a roller coaster. Well, but yeah, because there was the was exit poll was like, oh, okay, that's sort of what we expected. Right. And then when the actual result came out, and it was like, even she was literally yeah, within, uh, he was within a fraction of a percentage right. away from, yeah, from going to the second round. I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. I guess, guys, we're talking about the first round of <laughs> the French presidential elections. This was held on April tenth. Um, a little yeah. over, I guess, a week ago. Um, okay. Nick and I are, I guess, recording this, the April episode of French Bashing um, in what the French call the Entre de Tour. So uh, next Sunday on April 24th, there will be, I guess, the second round runoff between Macron and Le Pen. Yeah, um, so between a Thatcherite and a proto-fascist. <laughs> <laughs> so just in case, you know, you weren't clear about that. <laughs> um... Well, I mean, Macron, the Macron of the Entre de Tour would have us believe that he's sort of come around to sort of what he's called. On Sunday, he gave this sort of big speech poaching Mélenchon's positions in Marseille. Uh-huh. He said, OK, we're going to open a ministry of ecological planning, um, sort of some yeah. French version of the Green New Deal. Yeah, 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 um, so yeah. he has learned his lessons. I was just watching. Well, rhetorically, the, at least. Right, of course. Yeah. I'm not going to hold my breath. But... Um, <laughs> So, I mean, yeah, last Sunday was a depressing night, I guess. The results, I think Macron had something like 28%. Le Pen was at like 23.15. And then... Mélenchon, 22.2 or something. Right, 23, yeah, 23.2. So just... No, 22.2. 22.2, yeah. So just under, I think, a little over a percent. A few hundred thousand votes. 400,000 or so, yeah, yeah. Um... So it was it was a grim it was a grim night. It, I mean, was, it was a, a telling sort of political sort of evening about what France sort of the French political field what it looks like. Um, I mean, yeah, if you add up all the votes for a right wing candidate, and to be clear, French bashing considers Macron to be a right wing candidacy. <laughs> uh, so including Macron, you're at sixty five percent. Sixty five percent of the French electorate. Obviously, that doesn't include all French people. French people who vote, uh, vote has vo- is voting for a right wing candidate, and you know that's that's. I think uh, if on record, yeah, the most right wing first round presidential election we have ever seen in the French Fifth Republic. So mm. since uh, what was fifty eight, sixty one, like in between fifty eight and sixty one that it was mm. founded. So you know this is it. It's a pretty historically a bit of a depressing mm. uh, portrait. I think yeah. abstention was at, at, at its highest level since the first round in 2002, so like 26%. So it, I guess there was a brief dip in abstention in like 2012, and mm-hmm. I guess since then it sort of continued in uh, continued sort of an upward trajectory, mm-hmm. and I guess this was the highest since 2002. Yeah. Um, but I guess the results, I mean, sure, Macron is... I guess, a very much traditional sort of center-right political figure, despite sort of his kind of attempt to give his some of progressive, progressive posturing. Yeah. But he's also, I mean, he's... So many people that he... that have voted for him were sort of Socialist Party voters. 
Yeah, four years ago yeah. or eight years ago or whatnot. Yeah, um, yeah, so yeah. I think, I mean, to really describe what, what's interesting, I think, in the results um, this year is that you really see sort of the contours of, I guess, definitely what you don't have in the United States or Britain because of sort of particularities of voting systems and whatnot. But it was what is really now sort of a, what's a sort of durable, sort of tripolar sort of political field, I guess, where you have yeah. sort of, so More crystallization or less, of this Sure, yeah. You have, I mean, you have two tiers of results. I mean, there were something like eight, nine candidates, I think, all in all, official candidates. And you have, like, two tiers of results. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is much more clear than 2017. Yeah. There were really sort of four top candidates. Yeah. But this round in 2022, you have sort of two tiers. And in the first tier, you have sort of, obviously, Le Pen, Marine Le Pen, who is now sort of the kind of representative figure in the explicitly kind of right-wing bloc yeah. in France. Yeah. Uh, Macron sort of absorbing in the center much of sort of the traditional kind of political class just the establishment um, sure, the yeah. establishment the sort of the as you as we were saying earlier the sort of parties of government of both right and left yeah the sort of right of the ps yeah. and the left inverted commas of les Républicains have all gone to macron right, right. both not only voters but also a lot of the cadres of the other parties yeah, have yeah. sort of gone over them. and then i guess to the left of macron you have i guess what is now and of, I mean, a pretty vibrant, I guess, left-wing space, um, part of the sort of tripolar kind of partisan system behind Jean-Luc Mélenchon. I guess we, yeah. did, we did an episode on him, I think, in December it was, I think. I was, uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Right yeah. before. A the few year, episodes think, ago. Yeah, a few episodes ago. So you guys can like maybe take a look back. And I guess we had that episode in the past tense. It was what was Mélenchonism. And I yeah, guess yeah, yeah. Somewhat, if we could somewhat maybe amend that, Mélenchonisme or Mélenchon, obviously he had a lot of voters who would have voted for the Greens or who would have voted for the Communist Party, but um, who voted for him. So there is a certain, you have to qualify, I guess, his strong yeah. score, but nonetheless, some 22.15 or whatever percent of, yeah. uh, of first-round voters were like, Mélenchon is clearly the best shot that we have. And that, I guess, is... Well, that's something... That. Maybe or That's an authentically new development. or It's been a development in the making for some time. Certainly, that was Mélenchon's strategy. Mm. And all the credit goes to him uh, and others for... Mm making that happen you know of course they didn't get to the second round and so on and it ultimately their main objective was to, was to do that and to and to win the presidency but nonetheless they have carved out a space in french politics for a genuinely left-wing orientation mm. which is now the dominant pole of left-wing politics <clears throat> in france undeniably i mean you know <laughs> The PS, the sort of old party of government, the centre-left party, yeah. what did she get? 1.6? 1.5? So Anne Hidalgo, who was the Socialist Party candidate. And who was yeah. also mayor of Paris, one of the yeah. highest visibility politicians in the country. She got 20,000 votes in Paris. In Paris. In sort of her hometown <laughs> constituency. But yeah, I mean, you know, so... I mean, it's, it's, it's perhaps even hard for American or British listeners to grasp because, you know, imagine, it's, it's not quite as cataclysmic as this, but imagine the Democrats and the Republicans, or the Tories and Labour, just ceasing to exist as, 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 as electoral right. forces. Just ceasing to exist. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's, that's what's happened. I mean, um, as, as, as presidential electoral forces. As presidential sure. electoral forces. Because you do have to, qualify that, to sort yeah. of qualify it, yeah, like you have, and this is sort of what, the socialists as a party and what sort of the republicans uh, they're telling themselves and sort of the center-right republicans the party are sort of 
telling themselves, yeah, for their sort of political survival, they're saying, okay, yeah, presidential forces, we are going through a slump. Um, uh, but we are still very implanted locally. We have senators, we have <clears throat> mayors, we have regional councillors. Yeah. So their, I guess, chips are what they're sort of planning on using in sort of the future party realignments, which are going to Power brokers the legislat- le- at a certain election. level of the political... Exactly, yeah. And then what they're going to say, what someone like, what the Socialist Party is going to say to people to its left, i.e. the people who sort of pick up the baton from Mélenchon, is, okay, we, you guys sure have the ability to get voters in presidential elections, but we are, I guess, party institutions that have a backlog of elected officials. So this isn't on a moral level. On a moral level, the centre-left, perfidious... I mean, you know, clearly their only concrete function in this election was to stop Mélenchon getting to the second round. And that's just manifest. Whether it's their intention or not, it's irrelevant. Uh, But they have a point about this. And I think that it goes to show that, for example, Zemmour did so badly in relation to the FN when... To the RN. To the RN now, sorry. To Le Pen. uh, When a few months ago they were sort of even in the polling. And I think I made this point at the time, quite proud of it, which is that uh, the, the, the RN will necessarily do better or at least be able to recover better uh, from this election at the time. Obviously, I didn't know the results, what the results would be. Because, simply because, partisan structures are important. Partisan structures mean you can persist as a as a as an entity mean that you you can mobilize support more you have more roots more uh, more articulated network you know and and you know Zemmour didn't have that Zemmour did not have that and that's why even after this election you know you were saying I mean we'll get on to that uh, briefly but you were saying that um, Reconquête his sort of semi-party structure uh, that's existed for a few months or whatever are going to run in legislative elections mm-hmm. um, but you know the PS at least are not wrong when they judge that the chips they have left are their partisan structures and the way that that's implanted regionally, mm-hmm. municipally mm-hmm. etc mm-hmm. That, that is true, that mm-hmm. will play uh, interesting to see how it will play though because you know it will necessarily be in a sort of backdoor deal kind of way you know because they can't there's no public competition in which they can... I mean, yes, of course, there are regional elections, local elections, but there's always a sort of list composition politics in those elections, and there always has been. Mm. Um, but yeah, you know, that's, that, that's where the, the, the PS and the Greens will remain mm. uh, f- for the next five years, at least. Well, um, we'll have to see. I hope in five years. I mean, ideally in five years, there will be some sort be a, a, I mean, somewhat of a single party sure I'm okay if the Trotskyists want to stay there and if the yeah if, the, uh, if, if, if Lutouvrière want to carry on running their, right. their own can that's fine with right. me right but uh, like I mean <laughs> between and again taking apart sort of the older generation of political figures including Mélenchon I mean Mélenchon let's say Mélenchon older PS figures which I guess is most of the party probably um, <laughs> yeah. and then older greens I guess there is definitely a more there's a deeper younger roster of green yeah, yeah. sort of activists and political yeah. figures and there is a deep a young roster of PS figures there's more potentiality but those people for do and those people do sort of there is a kind of common I guess culture um, between sort of second tier I think sort of green activists and green sort of figures mm-hmm. and the sort of younger crop along Mélenchon for example in the last few weeks 
I've actually I've been interviewing a number of sort of former Macronist deputies. Mm-hmm. Um, one of whom actually called for to vote for Mendelssohn in the first round. Mm-hmm. So again, that's a, a extremely uh, impressive a and a indicative dip. shift. Yeah. Um, but they said, I mean, sure, there's plenty of dislike about Mendelssohn as far as maybe his sort of a lack of nuance when it comes to international politics. And just, I mean, the United States is not the ultimate bearer of evil, and no. it's not the sort of I don't know, the wellspring of all that is going wrong in the world. Obviously, there is much to criticize U.S. imperialism, mm-hmm. um, but sure, there are those sort of sticking points like that, and which are particularities of Mendelssohn. But they, I mean, more than anything, have sort of made very clear how well they get along with sort of the rank right below Mélenchon in France and Sudan. Yeah. And, and the there same, is this like common this culture of government. And obviously, I hope in five years there's not this debate. There will, be a, there will be a generate some form of generational regener- like renovation of at least the Greens and potentially La France Insoumise as well. Um, yes, I, I agree. I mean, before we get on to the left, I think an important take to make uh, to, to sort of to, to, to get out there is that although the parties both on the right and the left were unable unwilling to have any kind of unifying dynamic mm. you know uh, like I said the, the concrete function of the Greens and, and the PS in, in this presidential election was to block Mélenchon whether they like it or not that's what they did mm. um, and the parties, both on the right and the left, weren't able to, to unify around a candidate. But objectively, there was a certain amount of unification around a candidate at the level of the voters. So the voters much more spontaneously inclined to unify around a candidate than the party organization. That, that makes kind of sense. You know, party organizations, ultimately, mm-hmm. the role of an institution is to, a, is to p- perronize itself, to, mm-hmm. a, you know, to be able to maintain itself as an institution and mm. so you know it wouldn't make sense to dissolve itself in favor of a candidate yeah. etc but um what's interesting is that bef- whereas before all the calls to unity were ultimately vacuous they were ultimately just ways of posturing towards the voters in the context of this election. Except the calls for unity coming from voters and coming yeah. from... Yeah, no, no, I mean from the, the parties. Yeah. Um, but now there is a real, real basis on which unity can be called for yeah. from within the parties yeah. uh, and from sort of below, you know, not necessarily from the top because there's always beefs and so on, mm. but like there is a real basis for a kind of movement for unity among the mm. left, I could give a shit about the right. Obviously, I don't want them mm. to unify. <laughs> that would be a disaster. Mm. Um, but I think that's an important take, which is that... Which they're not going to be able to ignore going forward, basically. Sure, yeah. I mean, in that sense... And again, if, if a lot of Zamor voters hadn't jumped ship from Zamor to Le Pen in the last sort of... In the last stretch, before the first round, Mélenchon would very much have, have, have been in this. Yeah. What it really comes down to is there were more and more voters who were like, "Okay, I'm gonna swallow, I'm gonna yeah. bite the bullet and vote for Le Pen." Yeah. Then there were, I guess, Jacob and you know, Jacob the reticent party voters that did the same. The ret, yeah, 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 absolutely. Uh, the reticently, uh, how should you say, the intransigently Zamorian voters. Yeah. But like, I mean, our take was always that Zamor was the sort of representative of a radicalized sort of right-wing bourgeois vote right. yeah but 
it's astonishing that the intrans the most intransigent of the Zamorian votes yeah. voters are very much these people yeah. you know uh, whereas you know you never know you might have thought that they they could sort of swallow their pride at least and, and, and vote Le Pen you know yeah. because ultimately she represents uh, similar politics but no you know their class ultimately their class contempt won out uh, versus their racism yeah. not that they're that separable to be fair but like you know you know what I mean well this is why you I mean you can really bet that there's a whole swath of former national rally i.e. Marine Le Pen's party people mm. and there's a whole swath of former Les Républicains, i.e. old mm. centre-right people who joined Zemmour, who, like, sure, they might go vote for Marine Le Pen in the second round, but they're really sort of praying that she falls up short. Yeah. Um, yeah. They want, they don't want to have to sort of navigate between, I guess, Le Pen and the centre or whatever. Mm. Or, I mean, they want to, after the election, be able to have some sort of a position of force or yeah, some sort yeah, of a, yeah. a seat at the table when it comes to sort of... <coughs> <coughs> reconfigurations I mean that's the thing well, like, especially because their party their traditional pole of representation of, of feeling that they are inscribed in some sort of position of power in the political system Les Républicains formerly UMP formerly RPR is gone maybe just step back a bit so we can get back to sort of we keep speaking so much about the right I'm so tired of speaking about the right yeah yeah no we'll do we've got, um, we got some shit to say about yeah, the left there is actually some but, um, interesting shit to say about the left there was this uh, there's one I think important I guess kind of big picture point to be made I think about this election this sort of gets back to something that Macron said and obviously it was a bit of just rhetorical blah blah when he said it in 2017 this was on the night he won the second round I think it was like May 7th or whatever 2017 mm -hmm. he said oh, so the goal of my sort of presidential kind of the goal of my administration will be to make sure that no one else votes for the extremes mm -hmm. that we see so the declining extremist votes and whatnot and, and to the one statistic which I think is very important to sort of get to the sort of real sort of depths of sort of the political realignment and reconfiguration that has been going on up to this election, which is going on over the next few weeks, and which will continue after this election. Assuming, again, we'll talk, I guess, maybe about prognostics at the end of this episode, but um, one statistic is comparing the results of this election in 2012, which is sort of, I guess, the last normal election, yeah, maybe, of, the, of, of yeah. the Fifth Republic, I guess. Yeah. In that year, and if you sort of take the sum of people who voted for the Socialist Party, the old center-left, the UMP, which is UMP, which is the Republicans, yeah. the old center right party, um, and Bayrou, who was the centrist. Yeah. If you take the sum of all of those voters, that was sixty six percent of first round votes. If you add this election, Macron and the right wing, it's the same amount. Macron, Pécresse, Hidalgo, and Jadot, oh, right. oh, sort so, of yeah. the kind of centrist, the establishment, people, the centrist yeah. people. It's something I want to say... It's about 40, is it? It's about 43, 44% of the vote. So, I mean, I'm not saying that Zemmour and Le Pen are anti-systemic in the way that Mélenchon is, because no. clearly they're not. But, like, they are people who are fundamentally running on our country's falling apart, or yeah, 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 our yeah. country needs some sort of revolution yeah, yeah, to yeah, sort yeah, of yeah. solve its... A conservative one. Right. Um, <laughs> and so you, whether it's left or the right, I mean... France's center is shrinking, and that is something Absolutely. that like has to be said about this election. There's yeah, there's no doubt uh, that that's a manifest uh, kind of aspect of, of or been manifested by this election. Um, I mean, even just the 
the sort of far right vote. Uh, oh no, wait, no, we'll, we'll cut that out. Um, we don't want to talk about the right anymore. So I think now you know we've spoken about the right. We, we talked about the centre, which is shrinking. Uh, and w what of the left? Yeah. What of the left now? Uh, so like we've already said, La France Insoumise has shown itself to be unquestionably the dominant poll on the right wing of the electoral field. On in, the left wing of the electoral field. Uh, on, the, on the left wing yeah. of the electoral field in France. That's that's unquestionable. Anyone trying to like equivocate around it by saying, you know, oh, but you know, probably their base vote is only about 15%, everything else is coming from elsewhere. Whatever, you know, go cry somewhere else. This is just a fact now, okay? Um, the question is what happens to La France Insoumise as the holder of this space now? Um, because, so, you know, a little kind of uh, digression here. The Greens, uh, who were contending, very much contending for this space, everyone was talking about how, oh, this space used to be hegemonized by la grande, la vieille maison uh, of the socialists. Uh, and then that's going to pass to the Greens now. The ec ecology green is the name of this new space now. Now, electorally, that hasn't manifested itself. Now, two points to be made on that. One, uh, Mélenchon was green 15 years ago. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's, that's incorrect. His party, I mean, his platform is just that sort of ecological, yeah, sort of absolutely. serious on a sort of environmental perspective. Second point, um, what's been rejected in the greens is not the greenness. It's the centre-left establishmentness, the centrism of the Greens, uh, the bourgeoisness of the Greens, as the French, as as you know, some French would say. Um, that's really been jettisoned. Now, with the Greens, there were there were two main figures in their primary uh, that went to the second round. There was the guy who ran as a candidate, Yannick Jadot, who got seven percent, and then the Per, the runner-up, who uh, was very close runner-up in the in the second round of the primary, a lady called Sandrine Rousseau. Now, what's interesting is that her position is incredibly close to La France Insoumise, and and she is politically very close to them. And so the question becomes, what ha this space that La France Insoumise represents, does it remain a unipolar space? which the Francaise Vumise has been since 2016, since it existed. And there's lots of criticisms to be made about that. You know, for example, La Francaise Vumise doesn't allow any formation of internal tendencies, official divergences, and so on. And that's, in many ways, been a source of strength. You know, it's been able to persist in its line while being attacked from all sides and without splitting in, in well, the Communist Party left a couple of years ago, but whatever, leave that aside. Um, what happens now? Does it remain a unipolar kind of space? Does it try and keep that unipolarity? Or does it open itself up to a more multipolar organisational space, which can accommodate the left of the Greens? Because, you know, the right of the Greens, the problem is, is if Sandrine Rousseau, Sandrine Rousseau was, was hammered ceaselessly in, in the primaries by people saying, oh, she's just going to give up and defer to La France Insoumise. She's just going to join with La France Insoumise. The Greens will not have an independent representation, blah, blah, blah. And she thinks that maybe that's part of why she lost. Now, if she were to do that straight away now, 
I mean, we don't know the sort of mechanisms for how a new leadership of the Greens is going gonna, is gonna to form or whatever. Um, but if she were to do that now, perhaps it would be too soon. Perhaps it wouldn't be workable. Who knows if La France Insoumise would allow it. And if she were to do it, the right of the Greens would probably go towards Macron. And so there's this sort of balancing act, you know, that will be taking place at least in the early part of Macron's mandate of what happens to the space that the France Insoumise have assured is is now present in French politics. And to all their credit, to all their credit, they have allowed this to happen. And it means that there's a veritable and authentically left wing space in French, French politics. And it is, you know, number three, close runner up to number two, you know. Uh, so, you know, what the, the real uh, on the left, the question is, what's going to happen to this space? Is it going to be remain unipolar? Is it going to become multipolar? Is, you know, what's Mélenchon's role going to be? How far is he going to step back? Is he going to remain in charge? You know, what's going to what what's how is that space going to be configured by the partisan figures and organizations which occupy it, basically? Mm. I um, think you what you were sort of saying about sort of the difference between having a kind of unipolar mm-hmm. structure of mm-hmm. political movements versus the sort of allowing a kind of diversity of tendencies, interparty yeah. pluralism and whatnot. Obviously, I think the way France Insoumise has functioned up to now is in part to thank for the fact that fundamentally Mélenchon and what he, what he has stood for is not going to find itself in the same position that, for example, Corbyn found himself in after electoral defeat, or Sanders and the left of the Democratic Party has found it has found itself in since yeah, yeah, yeah. the arrival of Biden um, into power, mm-hmm. um, unquestionably negotiating for a position of strength. Mm-hmm. Um, looking at again in this question of sort of changing of the generations, there is I mean one can only hope that there's some sort of marriage between these sorts of political forces and again if we say sort of roughly the kind of center left a la kind of the greens yeah. versus the Mélenchonists and whatnot. Yeah. And that can only come through some sort of I mean traditional parties and the the Francais Amis likes to call themselves likes to say they're not a traditional party. Mm-hmm. To last they're gonna have to become a traditional party. And if you're going to be a traditional party in some sort of you're going to have to have tendencies, you're going to have to have sort of factions, you're going to have to have sort of wings and whatnot. Uh, and that, that, I mean, the, P, a... the PC never allowed uh, official tendencies, the Communist Party never allowed, French Communist Party never allowed official tendencies within it. Um, now they form inevitably, but they're, they're unofficial. Now, that's the thing is like, I think that the, the problem as I see it is, obviously they both have pros and cons, right? The, the, the pros of a trying to found a new multipolar structure means that you can accommodate more appeals to different parts of the country. You know, you can, you can have a sort of confederate kind of orientation within your structure, which allows you to kind of absorb stuff more effectively you know, as it emerges. But the the weakness of that, uh, with, and the, obviously the converse of that would be the strength of the unitary uh, structure, is that it's much more susceptible to splits, much more susceptible to public division, which, you know, the reason that the France Insoumise was able to get to where it is now, you know, you know, for better or for worse, 
you know, despite criticisms of principle or whatever, I think a big part of it is this unitary structure, you know? Yeah, but that, that you, I think since maybe, let's say, 2012, since 2017 or whatever, mm. it's been about riding through and making sure that there is some sort of durable uh, left-wing space. And now the dynamic the, changes. Through yeah. the sort of re, through the complete sort of reshuffling of the cards mm. of mm. uh, France's so party system. And making it through that and surviving that sort of realign, party realignment is one thing. And now then the question is building up an institution that mm -hmm. can sort of develop like sort of local footings, mm -hmm. can develop sort of long-term sort of political affili mm -hmm. affiliations. Um, so it's a different, it seems like it's just a different sort of work i mean i guess mm. we're getting a bit like this will be sort of speculative for speculative. the next sort of months and years i guess in the next few weeks for the left there's another question which is the whole legislative election we'll yeah. see what happens when it comes to voting in june for um the next parliament um i mean there's there are obviously discussions between the greens and, and the communist party um less with the socialists who've been sort of left aside perhaps yeah i mean in, um, in my in my notes uh, i've 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 written for the section on what we might say about the pierce i've just written lol because <laughs> um, there's even been calls by like not complete not like even complete trolls like actual sort of people in the public sphere calling for the ps to yeah. auto dissolve itself yeah. and stuff like that um and i guess with the legislative elections you obviously have the metal showing you saying we i mean deserve a share of seats equivalent with our first round votes and you have the greens sort of saying no 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 i mean clearly you guys had votes that people, you have voters that wanted to vote for us so no that you can we can't we can't count on the sort of april 10th i hope they sort that out and Fuck. yeah so people are calling the legislative elections the third round sure. that's what they're referring it to because uh which is actually this is actually relatively recent in the history of the fifth republic but the legislative elections happen is it the same year like a few months after the presidential election, I think Sarkozy made that change. Uh, before they happened in mid, they were like midterm. They were like in the middle of a mandate, and so now yeah. what it does is it it tends to give quite a big advantage to the person who wins a presidential election, or at least right, right. has a good showing in a presidential election, yeah. because they have had the most visibility. They have now got the most legitimacy, and you're going straight after the first round, the second round of the presidential election into legislative yeah, elections. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, for MPs, you know, filling the parliament. Um, and I guess maybe to, to sort of, so it'll be a question sort of for late May, early June. I mean, um, obviously one can only dream of having, yeah. Right now it seems the best case from April 24th is Macron winning and Le Pen not getting the power. Yeah, the, the ultimate best case scenario looking in the coming weeks would be Macron president, Mélenchon vice president. I mean, so yeah, there's been, there, well, be there's the been talk. Well, no, uh, Mac, uh, Mélenchon premier ministre. Yeah, yeah, sorry, premier, yeah, yeah. prime minister. Um, you're thinking in American terms. Did I say vice, vice president? president. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so yeah, I mean, there's been talk about what they call cohabitation yeah. uh, in France, which is where you have a president and a prime minister from different parties. Yeah. And it sort of signals. You know, for example, if Macron were to say now, I would have Mélenchon as my prime minister, obviously it's never going to happen. Right, right. Even if he were to say it, it's never going to happen. Uh, but he would never say it anyway. Uh, that would signal to Mélenchon voters that they can vote for Macron because uh, their vote for Macron will assure that their own partisan formation has, uh, it will have power in, in, in the new right. government. Uh, but... 
you know, I mean, I think well, obviously all of that's completely dead in the water. Uh, whatever Macron says now, and he's saying all Trump sorts of shit, it uh, isn't is isn't going to happen, or is going to be, or is just going to be because fundamentally he wants on he's, he's tried to turn this election, and he's still turning this election. He's sort of recused the term of a Republican front. Yeah. Um, and what he's trying to say is, he's trying to say is. A vote for me is not a vote against Le Pen. A vote for me is actually still a vote, a vote for, for me. For me. Yeah. Um, so his program of race and retirement age, I'm sure he's signaled flexibility. We'll see. Well, yeah, um, I mean, his flexibility is that before he was on a dogmatic 65, and, and now, now he's, he's... going back to the 2019 position of Which is 64. 64. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, other positions as far as, I mean, cutting Arasa, a, yeah. a welfare program, further yeah. tax cuts... Um, mm-hmm. Macron may be going on a charm offensive against the left, i.e. voters that he most needs now to defeat Le Pen. Yeah. Um, voters that he has done more than anyone else for the last five years to insult and sort of humiliate yeah. since 2017. Yeah. Well, there was this excellent article in Le Monde mm-hmm. yesterday about Macron people trying to woo Robert Menard, who's a far right, not Le He's Pen's the mayor supporter. of Bézier, Mayor right? of Bézier, who's the sort of, he's actually the founder of Reporters Sans Frontières. Yeah, and he's an ex-communist as well. Uh, uh, but I guess maybe to bring it back to the next week, and there's this sort of, and we can maybe finish on this, there's obviously a big debate going on amongst people, I guess, that Nick and I speak to amongst people on the left, mm. sort of, should and just on the left in general, right? I mean, voting I don't know, for Macron. Yeah, have now. you seen the, the sort of breakdown of the Mélenchon vote? Right is a third abstention, a third Macron, and disgracefully, a third Le Pen. Um, The Le Pen people are probably... I mean, like, in in a sense, it's to Mélenchon's credit that he's taken all those people from potentially going to Le Pen, because the the trend over the past 30 years has been ex-Communist Party voters going and voting for the Front National, for the RN, for Le Pen. Um, and Mélenchon's probably been the only reason that that hasn't happened even more. Yeah. Now, there are still those people who hate Macron more than they do Le Pen, mm. right? Because at least Le Pen doesn't have contempt for them, right? That's the way they see or it. Or doesn't verbalise it. Yeah, it doesn't, well, yeah, exactly. At least she doesn't publicly show contempt for them when, of course, she does have contempt for them. She lives in a fucking castle. Um, now, of course, the answer is, is that because if Le Pen were to win, the, the situation would be qualitatively and quantitatively worse yeah. than even the worst version of Macron. Yeah. And I think that's, a, that's the first stage at which, as you say, that's the first phase of answering this dilemma, which is that Macron and Le Pen are different in kind. They're different in nature is different. You know, it's not just a scary, publicly scarier candidate, you know. They will do concretely different things when they are in power. Now, Macron will not do good things. But at least after Macron's in power, at least one, I have no doubt that after the end of Macron's mandate, he will leave. Right? He's going to leave power. You know, he's, he's, he's going to leave power. He's not going to try and hold on to the presidency after his second mandate is over. Le Pen will. In one way, shape or form, she will seek to reshape the institutions so that, so, so that 
she can stay in power. And one of her big one of her big planks is sort of the, the use of sort of referendums as a way to essentially just entirely override parliaments and, yeah. and, and, and well, so this is the sca- so. this is the concretely scary thing and this is probably only the tip of the iceberg because that's what's actually in her manifesto yeah. which is that she wants to rule through referendum and now this might seem like an appeal to direct democracy um, but actually it has very deep roots in the French sort of right and extreme right tradition this sort of plebiscitary uh, inclination which the basis of which is that there should be no intermediary in between the the, the people, people inverted and the commas leader. and the leader, and that will allow her to circumvent parliament. It will allow her to circumvent the sort of liberal safeguards which we can be very critical of, uh, uh, and quite rightly so. But nonetheless, you know, and this is something that is both depressing and kind of relieving over the past few years which is that every time Macron's actually been stopped from doing something that's quite authoritarian uh, or, 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 or beyond the realm of sort of kind of democratic ac- acceptability he has been stopped by these kind of liberal institutions the, the Conseil Constitutionnel le Conseil yes and no I mean we're not going to go into that but yes and no it's well the free, the free press as well obviously I mean, that's something that, that Le Pen will inevitably take aim at, you know. Will, if Le Pen comes into power uh, uh, next Sunday, will Mediapart exist in five years? Mediapart is the big uh, left-wing kind of media presence uh, in France. You know, that's a genuine question, you know. It will exist if Macron, is, if Macron wins the second round, I have no question that Mediapart will exist in five years. And the fact also, I mean, for the left, obviously the left is not going to be in power in the next five years. And so uh, from sort of the point of view of sort of progressives in France and the entire sort of political balance of power is going to be through protests. Mm-hmm. And as much as Macron has worked uh, pursuing sort of Hollande and Sarkozy, as much as he has worked to make it sort of more difficult mm-hmm. for people to protest and for protests to actually sort of be an expression mm-hmm. of political opposition, it just wouldn't be as bad as if Le Pen it's just whoever she would. It would put be incomparable. Police I mean, at Paris the level or interior minister, it's well, unimaginable. Exactly. That's the thing um, is is and also you know what I was saying earlier, the whole thing of the presidential elections prejudice the the legislative elections. If she were to win, she would undoubtedly get have more power in in the in 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 in, in Parliament because it, it prejudices. Now, of course, she would she would have a small minority in parliament or could have difficulty getting a majority no 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 no. i said i I don't she wouldn't get a majority in parliament even if she won the presidential elections but nonetheless all that would do is essentially make her very even more dangerous because she'd have even more uh motive like even bigger motive to totally circumvent the sort of normal established democratic processes for all their faults for all their particular the Fifth Republic sort of authoritarian tendencies, mm-hmm. um, you know, she would have even more recourse to these sort of anti-intermediary measures, mm. uh, which would, you know, weaken the political system, which in itself isn't a bad thing, but it is a bad thing when the only discourse sort of hegemonizing, giving meaning to this this event, this process, is essentially a, a proto-fascist one. Um, and so, at the level of the institutions, it would, 
I mean, you know, we spoke, we had an episode on fascism a, a, a few months ago. You know, we would be deep into stage what three or four of fascism <laughs> you know uh, as Paxton puts it in his five stages of fascism mm. article um, and on, on, on the level of the streets you know earlier I said one of the main things that stopped Macron from going a certain way were certain liberal institutions the media and of course movements organized labor and so on you know and people I mean people who say I mean the, the rabble, the, it would the be land, smashed that's where you have the revolts I mean Look at the, the hundreds of thousands of people that sort of protested in 2002 after Le Pen made it in. And yesterday in Paris, I think there were I mean, 10,000. I, I don't know if I, I mean, haven't seen the exact numbers. but It's always somewhere in between what the police say and sure, what the sure, unions but, say. But a, a very minuscule number of, of people protesting against yeah. what is, again, the third of five, well, third I, of five presidential elections of the 21st century where you have the far right in the second round. Yeah. Um, if you look at it, maybe let's just end on what is just the grimmest statistic to show sort of where France is going. Um, in 2002, Jean-Marie Le Pen, Marie Le Pen's daughter, 17.8, I mm-hmm. think, percent of the first, second round vote Similar. against Jacques Chirac. 2017, Marine Le Pen is at 34% mm-hmm. of second round votes. Right now, the polls, I mean... It's I like 47.53 as it, like Politico, a good... Yeah, political Europe's sort of their kind of tabulation of all the polls uh-huh. is 40, I think, yeah, 46% Le Pen, 40, 54% Macron. I mean, so that's... That's... that's that's Mitterrand. That's bipartisan. Uh, that's, that's sort of. That's Mitterrand uh, Giscard in '65 yeah, yeah. or whatever. That is what looks like sort of a normal bipartisan, sort of bipolar party, sort of democracy. Yeah. Um, so I guess Nick, are you and I calling for people? Put it this way, you know, the left-wing argument for abstention is that elections are a sort of way of obscuring real politics, right? Um, and I essentially agree with that. Uh, but they are nonetheless a, a corner of politics, which also includes all this other stuff, which is also incredibly <laughs> important. Right. But insofar as you participate in that small corner, you participate on the basis of the rules of that corner, yeah. right? So, you know, I suppose what we I suppose what we would encourage is to be lucid about what it actually means to participate in that corner. Mm. You know, it doesn't mean that you have to put all... The, the stock of, of politics so you have to you have to think that politics all takes place there it mm. doesn't but you need to be lucid about what that the consequences of what happens in that corner are mm. uh, and you know as the famous saying goes I, I still don't know who said it originally uh, but you know you can ignore the state all you want but the state won't ignore you um, and I think you know it's just a matter of being lucid about what consequences could be you know i mean i i mean i'm not going to go into sort of personal reflections here because um i i unlike harrison can vote in france <laughs> uh but uh but yeah no i think it would be a call to lucidity yeah um let's let's be lucid about what's actually happening and what can yeah. happen and macron i mean for us macron is just so much more fun to bash than marine le pen <sighs> Yeah, let's be lucid, and um, I think best case scenario, Macron wins with a very reduced mandate, uh, and then in the 
so-called third round, the legislative elections, the left gets its act together and the real fight back can begin. Yeah. 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 I guess so we will be back with you guys in late May with, I guess... A sort of debrief, sort of debrief. rundown. Yeah. And then, we we uh, might, who knows, we might be coming at you from uh, a proto-fascist France, let's yeah. hope not. Yeah, the polls have been pointing away from that. Over the last the polls, yeah, yeah, consistently pointing away from I that. I mean, there was a point, there was one last Sunday night poll when Le Pen was at like 51, uh, Macron was at 49, <laughs> but that has sort of been reversing. Um, last week I was saying I am getting this sort of November 2016 feeling. I'm getting that less and less, I think, but we'll see. So I guess we'll see you guys next month um, with more French bashing, um, uh, yeah, post-election rundown, sort of lay of the land of what has been going on. I guess we can't really really say. What yeah, yeah, you know, just uh, take, yeah, take, so. take care and, uh, you know, send us the good vibes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.